वेलकम टू अर्थ अन अर्थ वी आर योर होस्ट आकाश एंड Earth on Earth is a fortnightly podcast where we deconstruct themes from movies and TV shows to discuss the economics, politics and science behind it. In this episode we sit down with Israr Hasan to discuss the Netflix movie Extraction which came out earlier this year. We deconstruct a variety of things starting from Edward Said's conception of orientalism, yellow filtering in Hollywood movies and then moving on to discuss private mercenaries and the case for drug legalization. This is the first of the three parts of this episode. Here we primarily look at the movie extraction from a sociological standpoint. We talk about Edward Said's conception of orientalism and its criticism. We also talk about the concept of white messiah complex and the phenomena of yellow filtering in Hollywood. If you want to listen to us talk about private mercenaries, you could uh, switch to the second part. and if you want to listen to more economics maybe about drug legalization and uh, alcohol prohibition you could directly skip to the third part of this episode welcome to dhaka welcome to the podcast today our guest is israr hasan israr is a fourth year student in economics at the brack university in dhaka he's also a very good friend of mine and the bangladesh regional coordinator for south asia students for liberty israr is a regular columnist for the daily star which is bangladesh's most circulating english newspaper welcome to the podcast israr thank you akash glad to be here so today we are discussing the movie extraction which is uh, which just came out on netflix 2 3 months up 2 3 months back So yes, uh, Extraction is was released uh, in late April uh, this year, and it is a movie directed by Sam Hargrave in his first film as a director. He is a stunt man, and that shows in the movie very well. It's written by Joe Russo, one of the Russo brothers, best known for directing Captain America and Avengers. So the movie features the Thor, Chris Hemsworth as Tyler Rake, and Rudran Jaiswal as Obi Majin, kid of Indian drug lord Obi Majin Senior, played by Pankaj Tripathi. It also features Randeep Hooda in an important role as Saju Rao, a former Para Special Forces operator and now one of Ovi's top henchmen. Oh man! So let's talk about uh, the first impressions of the movie. Israr. Horrible, badly made. <laughs> why? Why? Why would you say that? Because it reinforces, like you know, in like pre like 1971 type stereotypes in Bangladesh. It's very being very poor. I mean. This it completely stereotypes an entire country, you know, which has been existing for the last fifty years. So you completely strip them of their humanity and push them into this, you know, into the slum and make a film about them. It doesn't work out for us. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to be said on what you just mentioned, and I I think the first impression for me was uh, because uh, my interest in those areas was how uh, they hired a mercenary, a uh, black market mercenary from. for doing this operation which leads me to the broader topic of you know private military contractors because i have a very keen interest on that side yeah so um, i mean apart from private mercenaries the whole thing there i think it's a setup because uh, you know drugs are illegal and since drugs are illegal uh, there is a cartel uh, business involved there is an illegal cartel violence involved as well and uh, that's what we see throughout the movie so it's it's an undercurrent that runs through the movie although it doesn't come at the foreground 
ever because they really don't delve into the detail of the drug trade. Uh, but I think that's something which uh, did caught uh, my eye uh, during the whole movie. Another thing, just adding to what Israr said, um, what Israr said basically uh, is very true because Bangladesh is one of the most, uh, one of the countries which is developing at the highest growth rate, uh, not just in Asia, but across the world and uh, is known for uh, its vibrant economy. Um, but uh, that was, that, that part of Bangladesh never came so isra uh, basically what what do you feel is off with bangladesh's portrayal in the movie i mean i understand that it doesn't depict the real bangladesh as such but what's so demeaning about it what's so demeaning about the yeah. caricature um yeah so all right so a bit of thought a bit about it exactly was that so when this was announced back in 2016 2017 that there would be a film Starring Prince Hemsworth, you know, then that like a lot of people, you know, were excited about it because Bangladesh can actually count a handful of times it's ever been actually, you know, mentioned in a film or like portrayed in a film, right? It's one of the world's smallest countries, the large population, but you know, it's not, I mean, it gets offered that much. So the working title was Dhaka, and people were very excited about it because they thought it was based in Dhaka, and you know, it was shot in Dhaka, but it was shot in Ahmedabad and Bangkok. So one of the one of the reasons why people actually got really kind of upset was about it uh, is because of the portrayal of Bengalis, Bangladesh and Bengali culture itself. So, for example, you know, what you actually show in the film is you basically focus it on slums of Dhaka. You're, I mean, you're, you're talking about cosmopolitan city, but you're basically showing only slums of Dhaka itself, you know. Because, you know, when, we, when I was watching the Bangladeshi itself, like, I know the fact, like, you know, Bangladeshi slums or Bangladeshi neighborhoods are not places where you have narcos type drug wars happening or shooting and killing and maybe that doesn't really happen or that you have the local residential water being used for for hunting down down of terrorists or you have child soldiers right i do not know what the authors read about Bangladesh or the directors or whatever they did because honestly this is a horrible portrayal and it's funny because so the book was the film was based on a book where this i think is a author uh, computers and I forgot the name of the book. So it was based on mainly on Paraguay. From the Paraguay, they shifted from Latin America to Bangladesh. So they basically shifted from a mixed area of mixed people to a, in a country which is mainly brown people. And they completely made us look like, you know, African child soldiers running up and down the hill and trying to kill people. I mean, like, I think I think Bangladesh has fairly done it better in that regard, you know, in terms of child, combating child labor. But they got it horribly wrong. And so one of the things, as I was saying, is the fact like, you know, they completely get up Bangladesh into a box where like, you know, every, everything is, there's no law and order whatsoever. A tiny minority rules everything. I mean, sure, it, it, there's a, there are nuances in that, right? I mean, you don't really say, you don't really portray Bangladesh in that manner. So one of the funniest parts for me watching it and portraying Bangladesh culture was the part where like, I think Asif, the drug pin in the Bangladesh drug road, he sees from his balcony, he sees people celebrating Poyla Boishak or Bengali, yeah, the Bengali New Year, which is also celebrated by the Punjabis of Vaisakhi, but in Bangladesh it's more festive, it really happens in daylight. So, I mean, you're making it look like Chinese New Year, Chinese New really happens in the night, but this is like, this is, the Bangladeshis were shocked about it. I mean, what are they, what are they seeing? This is not Bengali culture. This is not Bengali the culture we see right now. Another another interesting part is actually, even, uh, even when the film is actually being shown, uh, one of the parts is that, like, every time they show the scenes regarding Tyler chasing the Tyler chasing trying to rescue the kid. It's yellow, there's a lot of yellow filtering which takes place, which actually tries to you know like basically romanticize the idea of, of 
poverty. This is poverty porn into we have completely trying to showcase this is a desperate land okay. which needs saving. It's right. Why, why don't you explain what yellow filtering is? Uh, I mean, okay. uh, how do you know so, that in so a movie fil- is yellow filtering uh, being used? So one of the you can see yellow filtering is when you see, when you watch a film, like any Hollywood films, you actually see when they show like, let's say countries where let's say a white person goes to like, which in many, in many cases in the post 9-11 world, you know, you actually see that it's not yellow filtering, the screen turns yellow to show very desolate land, you know, it needs of saving, it's like in a very exotic, you know, it, it needs to be, it's like completely out of, out of law and order, no law and order, it's completely chaotic. That's what yellow filtering is. The yellow filtering has actually been more or less an important part of Hollywood, Hollywood's filmmaking, especially in the post 9 world. So as I was saying, the fact that, you know, Bangladesh being a country which is obviously in, you know, when it comes to the media, its names have shifted from a, a bottomless basket called by Henry Kissinger to, let's say, a country known for mosquitoes and, and floods and then in the, in the post 9-11 it was known as the Taliban hotspot like a country with the Taliban revolution take place so right now it's known as the world's emerging economy but the films just keep on getting it wrong the films I mean the I mean, films keep on getting it wrong and to show Bangladesh in country which needs saving and it's another part another fun part is that you know the Susanna Kamal bridge they were talking about at the end of the film when he's rescuing it they made it sound so easy that it's exactly nearby it actually the bridge links Bangladesh and India very closely. And one of the common things you find is that like even within the film you see you see less Bangla dialogue happening. Except yeah. maybe you know that so, uh, yeah, it, all, it seems people. like it seems like Bangladesh is very much an extension of India rather than an independent country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that really does piss people off because you know the shooting did not take place in Dhaka, they work in dialogue, not even Dhaka itself. Yes, so yeah, you indeed. show the only part shot, where you hear is like Yeah. They've shot the movie in Ahmedabad, Mumbai and Bangkok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the only part where they actually, uh, the only part where you hear a bit of Bangla, let's say, during hip hop music is when I think uh, Tyler driving will send his car or something. Right? That's, I think that's what it was. And uh, so even like, even when they show the rickshaws and whatnot, you know, there's a word called Allah of Suman, Allah's all powerful, the spelling is completely wrong itself. I mean, the Bangla seems very forced. It's not, I mean, so like, I mean, if you're looking for, I guess, I feel Bengali put. Trails. I mean, surely it would be better if you have had like Kota, like Calcutta with the accent at least because you get the accent right. But the accent seems so forced itself, it seems so forced. And you know, like randomly getting kids from Dhaka, you know, and saying, like, you know, how are you? It has the elements of, you know, like the gory elements of, you know, war, which you see in a war film, right? I mean, child soldiers do it, but I don't think Bengalis and Bangladeshis actually, actually you know, completely relate to child soldiers running up and down Dhaka city on the roads and killing people or whatnot. That really doesn't really work for me. So it's completely, completely let down for me. And that's where, you know, a bit of Orientalism does come from. We completely exoticize us as being the other, you know, because the West hasn't really moved away from 50 years of the idea of seeing Bangladesh as a very poor country, poverty-stricken. I mean, if you're going to be showcasing a country, sure, make a country, look at Dhaka as it is. Dhaka, Dhaka has hyper, as a hyper-capitalist going middle class. It's malls, it's mosques, it's bars, it's clubs. Sure, if you also show its poverty, show it as well. But don't overly exaggerate and say that we are violent and we all want to have, like, yeah, there's a lot of violence going on. And then there's Hindi music playing all of a sudden. I mean, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really work out for me. (laughs) Yes, I mean, uh, for a change this time, I noticed that uh, India has not been showcased in such a negative light as it generally is in Western movies. In fact, 
I remember in the movie they show the Indian drug lord to be in jail, and you know most of the the whole house of Saju is a pretty good house, and in general India to be a more developed country. And I didn't actually realize this distinction until the later part of the movie where it got really unrealistic. So we have helicopters of private Muslim groups flying in the capital of Dhaka, and then we also have a Bangladeshi colonel. the colonel in the army a very senior position working basically as a henchman for the drug lord and himself using a sniper rifle to take him out and you know this i mean it was totally unrealistic we also had one scene where uh, you know the drug lord or the drug lord asif i think he he asks the colonel to you know just shut down the city and look for uh, to launch an operation to hunt the mercenary and they really shut down the capital city for that i mean yeah that's so, so yeah that's so, unrealistic Israel, Israel. I'm not sure, but I mean, because uh, the Economist has also been, uh, you know, slammed for uh, not getting Bangladesh right. Uh, but uh, the Economist, in its review of the movie, says that extraction has irked some people in Bangladesh not only because of what it gets wrong, but because of what it gets right. And it says that the drug dealer ordering a colonel from an elite security force in Bangladesh to shut the city. uh which happens in the beginning of the movie that is definitely you know uh over the top that doesn't happen but if an officer had demanded a cut of the drug dealer's takings and shot him for refusing it though that would not have been so far fetched and i think that goes for the subcontinent in general as well um uh, because you know uh, drug trafficking is real and uh, it's definitely a multi million dollar business uh, and there are unholy alliances with the establishment i mean we'll dive into it later in the later part of the episode today but uh, i think uh, let's put it out there there are some real concerns uh, it's just that the chain of command maybe is uh, reverse Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, so one of the things really people really couldn't really, uh, especially you know, in in today's day and age, where there's a lot of like you know, lots of lots of let's say awareness about intersectionality, about poverty, about white savior complex and orientalism and whatnot. You know, the fact that the other is not the other, and what I mean, we live in a possibly the most globalized world. So when you basically showcase this idea of the calling, you know, shutting the down the streets of Dhaka, I mean, Dhaka is. Thirty to forty million people were gossiping live here. I mean, you cannot just want to know exactly. Okay, that's very uh, unrealistic as well. Okay, so basically, for our audience uh, to break this thing down, we are linking this particular instance of uh, portraying Bangladesh, uh, you know, as a very poor, underdeveloped country. Uh, part of it is true, but part of it is uh, not so true. I mean, that's not the only side of Bangladesh. so uh, we are linking it to a concept in sociology or a concept in anthropology if i may say uh, that that is called orientalism and orientalism got popular orientalism was a word which was uh, basically used by uh, people from the european intellectual community themselves they used to refer themselves as orientalists um, who basically studied the orient which is asia which is uh, uh not just asia but also you know is it also the arab world uh china world. india yes yes so or the occident versus orient but uh edward said who was uh, from palestine uh and uh, he was one of the one of the most well known cultural critics of the last century 
Uh, he wrote a book in 1978, Orientalism, and uh, he used it as a, as a concept to describe the West's depiction and you know their portrayal of the East in a contemptuous manner through the years. And he he goes back um, so many years, and then he he basically uh, his claim is that his claim is more uh, more more of you know specific to the portrayal of uh, uh, the Arab world and the portrayal mostly by France, but also by other European powers. Uh, and that uh, that theory was later developed into much more. That theory was basically expanded into many cultural uh, many cultural critiques by. Um, sociologists and anthropologists from the Eastern world. Uh, so, Israel, could you give us a sense of what Orientalism means? Like, give us the basics. Tell us. Some, All right. Uh, yeah. All right. So, as we we're saying, Akash, so Orientalism was formed by Edward Said back in 1970s, and mainly in the way that the West, the Western world, imperial world, actually viewed us, the colonial subjects, as. So, they basically saw us as very, very different, right? We, we needed saving, you know, we're like savages. We were very different because of our skin, our the way we looked, and more importantly, they were our. We were we were studied and exoticized. We were experimented upon. You know that's that's exactly what the film in many ways does. Exactly, it it shows this white person coming here by an Indian drug lord to come to Bangladesh, where Dhaka, Bangladesh is a completely different place from where he comes from, where people where, where you know it's poor, it's slummy, you know it's 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 a, it's a, it's a slum area. Uh, and then you have like young, you have young, you have young kids actually running up and down terrorists, shooting and killing people. It's a, it's a desolate land, completely myth saving. That's how the Orientalist complex works. Orientalism basically keeps on it. It makes stereotypes based on how, and on otherization. It's how the Europeans still see us, right? For example, for example, it's pretty obvious the fact that you know the brown and white blacks of, of the uh, colonized world are not exactly seen. As you put it, our culture is still doubted upon. Yes, our every culture has its problems. Our culture is basically being targeted upon, uh, upon because of the fact that we were we were um, below them in the power struggle. So there's again the power struggle does come out. Orientalism itself is an emerge. It's still a very fascinating concept because with with established Orientalism in uh, university campuses and whatnot, this still this still seems to be all Orientalism. For example, in the spaces of Pop culture. This is actually one good example of about it. Right. So uh, apart from, yeah, exactly. I, I'll 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 like to bring another concept. Actually, uh, there's another sociological concept. Basically, I I think uh, it goes back to this uh, poem that Rudyard Kipling wrote in 1899 called "The White Man's Burden," and uh, it has associate been associated with Africa, with South Asia, with uh, with the whole Eastern part of the world, uh, and. Uh, and basically, that's also what uh, Edward Said, some uh, hundred years later, talked about in Orientalism. So Orientalism, uh, we have uh, we have basically uh, we have you know given you a whole uh, a picture of Orientalism, and we have told about uh, why why this portrayal is not uh, trustworthy or it's it's not very really just to the people that uh, it basically portrays. To the people uh, that it you know seems to talk about. Yeah, definitely. That's exactly what it does. It actually completely distorts the image of the of the, uh, of the other and actually completely overemphasizes on it. Orientalism, I feel, uh, as a theory, takes things too far, and uh, uh, 
basically, if we talk about, because I, I feel that Edward Said portrays uh, everybody from the West who wrote about the East in a singular brush. Uh, and if we really go by that, then the problem is that the, uh, the basically people in this part of the world, people in India, people in Bangladesh, or even people in the Arab world, um, they didn't know all so much about their history after, um, uh, you know, uh, after 200 or 400 or even 800 years of uh, um, basically decline. And what happened is that a lot of these European scholars played a very, very important role. Uh, they played uh, a very important role in, uh, you know, basically studying Arabic or studying Sanskrit and then, you know, bringing uh, back the manuscripts and, uh, uh, you know, analyzing it and then giving us our due. Uh, and uh, and that's, that's basically where I think Orientalism gets it wrong because uh, if we see uh, anything about Indian history or anything about Indian archaeology today, uh, I mean, I, I would say that modern Indian archaeology or modern Indian history owes a lot a lot to people like uh, Alexander Cunningham, people like James Prinsett, uh, who who basically were the people who were the pioneer of uh, you know um, basically uh, trying to figure out uh, what what went two thousand years back in uh, modern in in basically ancient India, and they were the ones who went out excavated and uh, uh, did all those things. So those important contributions cannot be reduced to, uh, you know, broad, being broad brushed as, uh, you know, and as an orientalist portrayal. And that's where I think uh, uh, Edward Said gets it wrong. And uh, uh, there's also very, very interesting criticism by Ibn Warak, where he says that uh, Said, uh, Said, Said's theory is very seriously flawed. And uh, uh, he accuses him actually of willfully misinterpreting the work of many European scholars and also misrepresenting the Western civilization as a whole. And uh, he, he goes on to say that the Western civilization is very open and uh, it has been, uh, you know, very receptive to foreign ideas. And I think that there is definitely an element of truth in it. Uh, so, so what do you think is that? I mean, definitely, you know, all ideologies need to be criticized or whatnot. And what even Amarak's initially was that the, uh, the exact crimes Edward Said accuses of the West of, the West of, the same way, the same crimes which the other empires, especially Indian, Indian Arab or African empires had in terms of you know, slavery and whatnot. We, all, we did have that. But you see, initially, the problem with the West itself, the West completely changes the everything for example art to law to, to everything and it, it completely encapsulated the way we saw things because the problem here with i mean the edward side's criticism might be misinterpreted you can to agree with even what, what he said but uh, in this but in, for example in, uh, in the case of portrayals and that is exactly where edward side is so good because he's also a he's also a professor of literature as well comparative literature as well so one thing we get is the portrayal of the person who is very different because the West was not exposed to different cultures until until it came to the point of colonization, whereas you know, parts of India, the Islamic world, or even Africa, we were constantly exposed to different cultures. The West was not exposed to different cultures intermingling the way we were. 
I think that also comes to the fact that you know that our portrayals are very like much more nuanced, where their portrayals of us is much more negative. If you liked our conversation so far, you could uh, listen to the second part of this conversation right above this episode in the podcast app that you're listening to. In the second part, we talk about the history of mercenaries for hire and if at all extractions portrayal of private mercenaries is realistic.